a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Thank you for uh, being here this morning. Uh, as Matt said, my name's Graham. Uh, I lead the uh, team that leads Jubilee Church. And uh, it's great to have you with us. Uh, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you'll know that we're spending a few weeks looking at our vision and our values, looking at some of the things that are important to us. We felt that would be a good thing to do uh, as we're in the beginning of a new term in a new venue. And so we wanted to underline a few things. So if you've been with us for a while, you might think, oh, my God, I've heard this before. Well, hopefully this will be different and, and add to it. And if you haven't been with us for long, I hope that this will help you in understanding what sort of things that we're going for, some of the things that are important to us uh, as we seek to build Jubilee Church. So that's where we're going, okay, that's what we've been doing. And if you want to catch up on any of the recent messages from the last few weeks, you can download those from the website uh, or our podcast if that's helpful to you. So we started off by uh, looking at a a number of things, and uh, really I guess we've got five headings And uh, there are five things that we say are important to us in uh, the life of Jubilee. And and they're loving God, loving one another, loving those who don't know Jesus yet, serving the city and reaching the nations. And uh, I guess we try and hang what we do on one of those five things because they're they're important to us. They're some of our sort of core values, core principles, if you like. And obviously loving God is pretty foundational, isn't it? uh, You build everything on top of that. And uh, we spent some time looking at the importance of loving God, both personally in our own lives individually, but also as a church. And so that means that when we gather together as a church, we give time to worshipping God, to loving him. We also love the presence of the Holy Spirit. We love God speaking to us as well as looking at his word. We love that prophetic element of God speaking to us. We want to give time to that. So all those sort of things are caught up, I guess, in loving God. Second one was loving one another. And uh, Jesus made it pretty clear, didn't he? That loving God and loving one another was fairly important. And in fact, he said to his disciples, it's actually how people will know that you're my disciples, by the way that you love one another. So knowing one another in the church, being known by others in the church as well, and and looking to love one another and care for one another is important to us. And it's hard to do that in a a short time on a Sunday morning. So that's one of the reasons that we uh, have small groups during the week. It's not the only reason by any means, but it's certainly one of the reasons we have small groups called life groups, so that we can care for and encourage and help one another and love one another uh, as we go. We talked about the importance of community and uh, how that's important to us and building a community together, but also making sure that it's very inclusive and it's reaching out. Sometimes you can get in, I don't know if you've ever been in a small group, uh, be it in a a, a church situation or, or maybe somewhere else where it just becomes just about the people in that group and very inward looking. It's easy for groups to get like that. that, that I think that's probably uh, their sort of automatic trajectory, <laughs> actually. And we need to work hard to make sure that it isn't just about people in the group, but as well as that, we're looking out, 
looking at including other people in. And so community isn't something that's exclusive to the people who happen to be there on a Wednesday night or whatever it might be, but rather community is seeking to reach out, to bless others, to bring others in as well. And uh, we're going for those sort of things as we, uh, we work with our, our small groups. The third one was loving those who don't know Jesus yet. And as soon as you say something like that, people think automatically, maybe you do even, maybe you think, oh, he's talking about evangelism. So that must equal a particular program like Alpha, for example, which is a great course and a good introduction to the Christian faith. And you might think, oh, it must be about a special service we bring people to. Well, those things are included in loving those who don't know Jesus yet, but it starts with compassion. It starts with God moving your heart. It starts with God doing something in you where you have a love for those who don't know Jesus yet. And we spent some time looking at that. And I want to encourage us to have that compassion, allow God to stir our hearts and allow him to to work on them. And then this this morning we're going to look at a new one that we've recently put in this list because we felt it was time to begin to look at the way that we could seek to bless or serve the city. So this morning I want to look at uh, a couple of things, serving the city and reaching the nations. And to lead us into this first one of serving the city, we're going to watch a quick video that will hopefully, hopefully lead us into this subject. I hope you found that video challenging. When I first came across that song, um, they just felt that there was almost something on that song that, was, that God was speaking to us about and challenging us about in terms of saying there are greater things to come. There's also lots to do in the city. And um, I guess as I watch something like that, that Matt has put together, Matt, thank you for putting that together. Excellent job. In fact, give him a round of applause. Excuse All sorts of video production, wedding videos available at reasonable cost. When Matt put it together, I, I found it a provoking and a challenging sort of picture of what God's speaking to us about. And I guess serving the city moves on very easily from loving those who don't know Jesus yet. And having compassion for those who are far from God is fundamental and essential to lead us into serving the city. Because that's what it comes out of. It comes out of having a heart for people and also a heart for our city. A heart for the place that God has put us in, has called us to has given us to live in. And I guess as I've been thinking about this subject of serving the city, I was thinking recently about a guy called Jeremiah. Now maybe you've come across Jeremiah. He's a prophet. He's uh, got a book in the Old Testament. We'll turn to it in a moment. And we're going to read a few verses from Jeremiah. You might want to try just to be finding it as I'm speaking. But just to give you some context here, Jeremiah, as I said, is a prophet. And the situation is that the, uh, the Babylonians, the, the enemy empire, if you like, are now in charge in Judah. They're running the show. And they've come in with their king, Nebuchadnezzar, and they took off uh, a number of people off to Babylon. 
And they took them off. They took off actually sort of the cream of society. They took off the educated. They took off the leaders. They took off uh, anybody they felt they could influence who would be influencers of others. And they took them back to Babylon to train them in the way of the Babylonians. And uh, one of the guys that they took with them was a chap called Daniel. Maybe you've heard of him. He's got a book as well. We're going to look at him probably next year. Um, But so what happens is Daniel and others are taken off to Babylon. And uh, Jeremiah now, who's a prophet, he writes a letter to the people who are captive in Babylon. And uh, this is where we pick up the passage that I want us to look at this morning. It's Jeremiah chapter 29. We're not going to read the whole thing. It's headed in my Bible, maybe in yours too, a letter to the exiles. A letter to those who have been removed from their homelands and taken off to Babylon. We'll read a few few verses from verse 4. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. This is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers you too will prosper. Now let's pray and then we're going to just spend a few moments looking at these verses together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this passage of scripture we've just read. Thank you for Jeremiah's letter to the exiles. And as we spend a few moments in this, looking at this subject of serving the city and moving on, looking at reaching nations, I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us this morning. I pray, Lord, you give us open hearts to hear your Holy Spirit applying your word to us. Lord, that you might challenge us, provoke us, encourage us in all that you're doing and wanting to reach this city and the nations with the gospel. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this passage here in Jeremiah has a lot for us. It's written to a group of people who have been removed from their home. Written to a whole load of people who are in a foreign place, removed from family, friends, all that they've ever known. And Jeremiah writes to them to encourage them in their situation. It's interesting, isn't it? They're they're citizens of one country, but they're now living somewhere else. They've been removed to another place. I guess you could say it's a bit like us because when you become a Christian, the Bible makes it clear you become a citizen of heaven. Now you may have a passport that says uh, Great Britain or Europe on it nowadays or it may say uh, you know, India uh, or, or Spain or whatever country it might be that you may have come from originally, you might have a passport for that nation. But as well as that, when you become a Christian, it's like God gives you a passport for heaven because you're now a citizen of heaven. You're in God's kingdom. And he's the one that rules and reigns over your life. And yes, you still live in another place here, 
but actually your eternal destiny and a place where you now reside spiritually, if you like, is heaven with him. But you're still here. You're still on earth. You're still very much present. At least most of you are still very much present. (laughs) So for Jeremiah, he's writing to people who are not in their familiar place, not where their home is. And for us, Jeremiah could just as easily be writing to us as well. This could just as easily be written to us here this morning. And so he gives some instructions. He gives instructions about building houses, settling down, planting crops and eating them, marrying, having a family, seeing your children marry and have a family, to increase in number, not to decrease, but to increase, to seek the peace and prosperity of the city, to to pray for it. Because Jeremiah says, if the city prospers, then you'll prosper as well. That's what he says to the people. And so this too is a passage about engaging with the culture, about getting stuck in where you are, being involved, being part of something. And so many Christians often shy away from getting involved, from getting stuck into a city, to getting stuck into everyday life, thinking, well, actually, you know, I don't really live here. My citizenship is in heaven. And that's what's important now. And they sort of remove themselves from, from everyday normal life. Maybe you've met people like that over the years. I know I have in the past. And they can think, oh, it's just ungodly. I don't want to get involved in anything now because uh, I belong to God. I'm on my way to heaven. Well, it's true. But that's not what the Bible imagines we'll be doing. All that is true. We belong to him and we're, our eternal destiny is with him. It's actually a new heaven and a new earth because God's going to redeem everything. But as well as that, the Bible expects us to be out there making a difference, to be living active lives, being involved in a local community, in a city, making a difference for Jesus. That's what the Bible sort of expects us to be doing. And that's what Jeremiah is saying to the people here. He's saying, don't withdraw. Don't just think about your little group. Don't think about how can we just protect things and keep things the same. And, uh, and, but get out there. You know, settle down and build some houses, plant some crops, marry, have children. Increase in number and pray for the city. So Jeremiah encourages the guys there to settle down, to get married and have a family. Now, not everybody's going to get married and have a family. But the Bible encourages us to do that. And for some people, they sort of put that off thinking, I don't want that responsibility yet. You know, that's fine for people who are perhaps a bit older or different stage of life. But for some of you guys, I think it's a guy thing particularly, actually. I'm sorry to say, but hey, there we are. For some of you guys, it's a matter of, Stepping up and taking responsibility, saying, yeah, you know what? I am going to put down some roots. I am going to marry and have a family. I am going to make a difference in my community. I am going to care for my wife and children. And it's almost like putting away more youthful desires, more youthful activities, that sort of world we've maybe grown up in or been through uni in and saying, you know what? Now's the time to take responsibility. And so for some of you guys, maybe that's, Maybe that's a word for you. But for Jeremiah, he's saying to the, uh, the people, look, settle down, marry, 
have a family. And he goes on, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Do you do that for this place? Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. That's what Jeremiah says to the exiles. You know, I love Derby. You can tell from my accent I didn't grow up here. But God very clearly called me to this city. I have to admit I didn't know where it was when he did. But I got my map out and discovered where it was. And I love this place now. I really do. It's home, undoubtedly. Because God has called me here. You know, I love the fact that there's lots of new building going on in the city. I love the fact there's lots of investment happening. So even in the few years since I've been here, the sort of cityscape has changed, hasn't it? So now we've got, you know, a brand new shopping centre in Westfield. There's Pride Park. There's the bus station will be completed soon. There's, there's this building we're meeting in now, Quad. I read in the paper this week there's another office development due to be happening not, not, not far from here. So I read that and think, that's great. You know, I want that to happen. I pray that comes off. Because as the city prospers, what Jeremiah is telling the people of God is as the city prospers, so you will prosper. I mean, what do you think when you read a newspaper headline about you know, a new office block going up? You know, maybe a government department being encouraged to move to the city to set up shop here. I think it's great. I think it's excellent. We need to be praying for the prosperity of the city because this is where God has called us to be. You see, Derby should be a better place to live, to work, to study, to raise a family in because there are Christians here making a difference. Don't you believe it? It should be true, shouldn't it? It should be the case. And Jeremiah encourages us to pray for the city. So we should be praying for the city, praying for those in authority in the city. I wonder, how often do we pray for our local councillors? I wonder, do you even know who your local councillor is? Do we pray for the mayor? Do we pray for those who have authority in the city? Do we pray for the police? Jeremiah is encouraging the people, pray for the city, seek the prosperity of it. And friends, he'd say the same to us this morning. Pray for the city. Pray for business, pray for education, pray for health, pray for governments in the city. Because as we do that, we begin to serve the city. And so serving the city, actively serving the city, spreads the good name of Jesus and the good name of his people, the church as well. As well as blesses people and makes a difference in people's lives. So you might think, well, Graham, that sounds fine, but... What can I do in practice? So how can you serve the city personally? What can you do? What can you do differently even from tomorrow morning? Well, the first thing you can do is pray. Simple as that. You might think that's quite straightforward. Well, yes, it is. But who believes that prayer makes a difference? It does, isn't it? So let's be praying for the city. Let's be praying for individuals in the city. Let's be supporting those in authority. Maybe for some of you, at one time, God will call you to be involved in the city. Maybe as a local councillor. Maybe as a school governor. Maybe taking some responsibility for different things in your neighbourhood. But by you doing that personally, you're serving the city. You're loving God, honouring him, and blessing those around you. Because we should be a blessing to those around us, shouldn't we? So you can do things personally. I want to suggest as well, you can do things as a small group. So maybe your life group, 
Maybe your small group could do something in the community that, that you meet in. You can make a real difference. It might be you meet near a local park that's always full of litter. Or you could head out one evening and clear it up. It might be there's a load of graffiti uh, in a particular neighbourhood near you. You could you talk to the council and get some equipment and go and paint it over. Go and make a difference. It's really simple things like that that do actually make a difference to where people live. And by doing that, it shows that we're loving people in a really practical way. It's not just about showing the gospel with our words, but rather showing with our actions that we really love people. We really want to see God work in their lives. We want the best for them. And serving people in a practical way really does make a difference like that. We can do things as a church as well. So things like Smile, you saw on the photos on the screen there, our project for, uh, for youngsters with additional needs. Something like that serves people, loves people, blesses them, and actually provides a real help to folk who, uh, who have children with that sort of, those sort of disabilities, and it makes a real difference to their lives. And we can do that, and we can do other things like that as we continue to grow. So the number of churches in the city are involved in a project called Street Pastors. Maybe you've come across them if you're out in the city on a Friday or Saturday night at some unearthly hour. But out there, bringing the love of God and the peace of God into the situation. I'm on the, the team that oversees that project, and so I get some stats through every now and then about a number of conversations that have been had with people and the way that these guys are going to have to serve and love people in a really practical way. Just take care of people in the early hours of the morning, often when they're worse than wear for, for drink, and just help them on their way home. Not to judge people, but to love people really practically, and show the love of God to people. Things like that make a difference. It demonstrates God's love in a practical way. And it's easy to talk about it here, isn't it? But actually we need to be doing it out there and making a real difference where people live. It affects culture as well, doesn't it? We should be looking to make a real difference in the arts, in media. You know, we want to see God come. We want to see the kingdom of God come. So it should be us that's making a difference in music, for example. We're the ones that should be out there leading the way, seeking to change culture for God's glory, seeing the kingdom of God come in all these areas of life. And in doing so, we might serve the city. But whilst we want to serve the city and to see it prosper and to see it change, and we do, our vision is wider than that. It's not just about the city. Even though we love it, even though it's where God has called us to, actually we've got a heart to reach nations. So it's not just about the city, but it's about the nation and the nations. So right the way through the Bible, almost wherever you, you choose to read a passage, you pick it up, you put your finger and you'll probably find something about God's heart for the nations. It's right the way through Scripture, right from the very beginning, right the way through to the end. Through, through to the end. Reaching other nations is a biblical priority. And it's also important to us as well because it's part of what we're going for as a family of churches. We're part of a, a family of churches called New Frontiers. And that's part of our vision to reach nations together. So in the Old Testament, for example, you've got Abraham, whom God calls, 
And God makes it really clear to Abraham, it's not just about him, not just about his family, but rather God is looking for a people. He's looking for a nation that he might work in and in so doing demonstrate to other nations around what it's like to have God involved. What it's like to have God at the very centre. So the people of God had a responsibility there. In Isaiah 49, Isaiah says this, he says, this is Isaiah prophesying, God speaking, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. That is God's heart. And that's our mission field, friends. The ends of the earth. That's what we're going for, to see nations changed by the glory of God. And then in the New Testament as well, Jesus says, uh, Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations. It's really clear, isn't it? Almost wherever you choose to pick a passage, there it is. The early church, its leaders always had a heart for other nations. Sometimes they needed some encouragement in it, but it's right there. Jesus made it really clear what the plan was. And it's really clear for us as well. The gospel was and is for every people group, every tribe, every tongue, every nationality, every nation. It really is. So you take somebody like Paul, for example. So the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, many of the letters in it, Everything that Paul did and said had an international feel about it, didn't it? Even before Jesus met him, who seemed to sort of be going all over the place, persecuting Christians, once God had encountered him, God gave him a new mission of taking the gospel to the nations. So the Times Concise Atlas of the Bible estimates that Paul travelled somewhere in the region of 10,000 miles during his missionary journeys. That's quite a lot without any motorised transport, isn't it? That's quite a long way. And you often see Paul always wanting to move on, always wanting to go further, always wanting to take the gospel to another place, not wanting to settle, but to keep pushing the boundaries of where the gospel had made an impact. Time and time again, it's what Paul is going for. And in Ephesians 2, um, Paul writes to the church there in Ephesus. And in Ephesians 2, we, we come across him writing here to the church about one new man in Christ. And what Paul is doing here is talking about God's dealing with that which has separated men over the years. The issues that have caused division Paul is talking about God bringing reconciliation. So he says his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. So it's very, very clear, right at the very centre is the cross. It's great that there are that there's international diplomacy trying to bring warring nations and factions together. The Bible makes it clear, really that only happens through the cross. Through the cross, Jesus is the one 
who brings reconciliation. So in the New Testament world, there were divisions like Jew or Gentile, were you a Jew or non-Jew, were you slave or free, man or woman, and lots of other divisions as well. In our world today, there are still those sort of divisions, aren't there? Be it educated and uneducated, Black, white, young, old, whatever sort of you know, division you can look for, you'll probably find it. But Jesus makes it clear that he wants to bring reconciliation there. Paul says that Jesus came and preached peace to those who were far away and those who were near. I wonder this morning, would you describe yourself as far away from God or near? What Paul says is, Jesus came to bring peace to you, whether you're far away or near. And if you feel that you're far away this morning, maybe you just came with a friend, maybe you just sort of wonder what was going on here on a Sunday morning, so to pop your head through the door and try and find out. If you've maybe never been to a church before or haven't been in years, this, this word is for you. If you think you're far away, God says to you that Jesus has come, that you might be brought close to God. Even this morning, even before you leave, things could change for you this morning. And even if you're near to God, Jesus calls you just the same to be near to him, closer even still. So whether you're far away or whether you're already near, God wants to call you further into a relationship with him this morning. And just as John brought during the worship, he's made it possible. He's finished. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done. It's not about you working harder. It's about you trusting in what Jesus has already accomplished. And it's, but it's not just that he calls you into a relationship with himself. He does, but it's more than that. Sometimes we can think that uh, becoming a Christian, responding to God's invitation is just about that personal relationship with us. It is about that relationship, but it's much more than that. It's not that Jesus just wants you to, to have a relationship with him, be forgiven of your sin, but rather he wants to call you to be part of a people. And a part of a people that is reaching nations. You see, you're called with a purpose. And the purpose is the nation's. That's what God wants to call you into this morning. In the Old Testament, God wanted the Jewish nation to demonstrate to the other nations around what it was like to follow God. But if you know your Bible, you'll know that time and time again, they screwed up. It didn't work out. For a while, it seems to be a cyclical cycle, really. For a while, they would would follow God. Then they would rebel. Things would go wrong. God would send them a prophet. And then, all right, you get back to God. And they sort of get back to God again, follow him for a while. Then they sort of lose the plot, move away, not follow God. God would send another prophet. They'd be brought back to God, follow him for a while. And so it went on time and time again. They spent most of their time rebelling against God, not demonstrating to the nations about following him. But now... Now, God wants the church. God wants the church to show the nations what he is like, what it means to be part of his family. It's a prophetic promise and a responsibility is on us. So God has called us together as a people for a purpose, to show to the nations what it's like to follow Jesus, 
what it's like to have a God at the very center of your life. It's not just about you and him, but rather you're called to the purpose to reach nations. And together we might do something and demonstrate to the nations what it's like to have God right at the very center. You see, repeatedly the New Testament talks not of people becoming Christians, but people being saved and added. Added to their number is a phrase that you'll often pick up in the New Testament. And this something is the church. This something they're added to is the church. You see, God has a plan for a glorious end-time church. A church that expresses the life of God as a community and demonstrates the kingdom of God or the rule of God just like a city set on a hill in every nation, every city, town and village. A community that will demonstrate to the nations what it means to be one new man in Christ. And every single one of you are part of it. The Bible has no thought of the lone Christian going through life on their own, just working it out, them and God. Always it's people who are saved and added. Because as they're added in to the church, the church then has a responsibility corporately to demonstrate something to the nations. And friends, that's what we're part of. That's what we're caught up in. So in Revelation, last book in the Bible, John says this. He says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's what's going to happen at the end of the time. It it echoes what the psalmist said in Psalm 67, where he says, may all the peoples praise you. And you know what? All actually means all. It is all the peoples. It is people from every tongue, tribe, nation, people group, nationality. However you describe it, people will be there before Jesus, worshipping him. And so it stands to reason, doesn't it? If at the end of time that's how it's going to be, people need to know now. If that's how it's going to be at the end, that's the picture of what it's going to be at the end, then now we need to be telling those people from every tongue, tribe, nation, nationality, people group, etc. That's our responsibility as the church. John Piper puts it like this. He says, mission exists because worship doesn't. God is after worshippers. And at the end of time, there will be worshippers. And right now, God is after worshippers. And mission exists because of that. So we have a responsibility as a church to show what it means to live in community with God, to follow him, to have him at the very centre of our lives. And we have a responsibility to reach nations, to reach tribes and tongues and people groups, particularly those who don't know. How do we do it? What's the strategy? What's the plan? Well, it's clear. It's by planting churches. It's by starting churches in those people groups and tongues and tribes and nations. That's how we do it. In Romans 15, verse 19, Paul says, So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. What does that mean? 
Does it mean that Paul had gone house to house, knocked on every door, and clearly explained the gospel with every person? Can you imagine they're going up and down the street, knocking on every door in all these areas, clearly you know, wanting to explain the gospel? Did he do that? No, he didn't. But what he did do was start effective, mission-minded, evangelistic, active churches in each of those communities that could then reach people for Jesus. That's what he means when he says, I fully proclaim the gospel of Christ. And so starting churches, planting churches, is the way we're going to reach these nations, the way we're going to reach these people groups, these tongues, these tribes. Jesus says, Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So the gospel must be preached to every nation before the end will come. So we need to do it. It should drive us forward with a heart to reach people who don't know Jesus yet. Maybe for those who have never clearly heard in their language what it means that God loves them and has a plan and purpose for their lives. There's lots to do, isn't there? I want to encourage us. Let's have a heart for other nations. It might be going, for some of you it will be, I'm sure, going to other nations. For lots of us it will be giving and resourcing what's happening. For all of us it's always praying and asking God for more of that. It's about being part of that international family that I referred to earlier. And much of our giving into New Frontiers goes to resource work in other nations. So much of our regular giving each month or our giving each year at the annual leadership conference goes into work in other nations. We have a privilege in this country of being able to resource what happens in some other places. We don't take it lightly. It's a great privilege to have. As a, as a family of churches, we've got over 600 churches now in over 50 nations. There are church planting groups in some countries that we don't actually talk about publicly because it's too dangerous to do so. So we're wanting to play our part. There are lots of other church movements and streams and denominations going for it as well. We pray for God's blessing on them. And as well as that, we want to play our part in fulfilling this great commission from Jesus. So for some of you, you might think, I don't know what to do during my summer break. You might be thinking, where am I going to go on my elective? What what can I maybe do with this holiday period I've got? Well, you could go to another nation for a few weeks or a few months. You could serve, be involved in what God is doing. For some of you, it might be going for longer. I want to encourage you, let God stir your heart for the nations. But before we finish, and we need to in just a few moments, let's be clear as well. Having a heart for nations is also about building here in Derby a multicultural, multi-ethnic church that vibrantly represents the communities that we live amongst. You know, I love the fact that Derby has got many languages, many people groups represented here. We want to be reaching out to them. I want to see them represented in God's church. It'd be great to have some worship songs from, from other nations, wouldn't it? In other languages. I'm sure we'll do, we'll do that in time. The book of Revelation talks about people from every tribe and tongue and people group worshipping Jesus in heaven. I'm like, hey, let's do that now. <laughs> because we can. 
It would be great to see that represented in time. It's not just about travelling to other nations. You could get on a bus and within a few stops be reaching people from another people group or another language or nation. It's a great privilege we have in living in a place like this. Maybe just by by walking around the corner you could come across somebody from another nation, another people group. According to the Office of National Statistics, which many of you are familiar with, I'm sure, the 2001 census shows that we have people in Derby who are born in at least 51 different nations. There are a lot of people here from a lot of different places. Do you want to hear the list? England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, Republic of Ireland, Channel Islands, Austria, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Italy, Netherlands, Portugal, Spain, Sweden, Albania, Czech Republic, Romania, Poland, Turkey, former Yugoslavia, the Baltic States, other former USSR countries, Democratic Republic of Congo, Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Kenya, Somalia, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Cyprus, Iran, Iraq, China, Hong Kong, Japan, Malaysia, Singapore, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Canada, USA, Jamaica, Australia, New Zealand and others. Within a bus ride. Friends, we really can impact nations on our doorstep here. It really is possible. In the area I grew up in, that would have been much harder to do 30-odd years ago. Now, we can do it. We really can affect nations just from where we live. So I want to urge us to have a heart for what God is doing amongst the nations and also actively in the city. To be seeking to serve the city, to love people, to demonstrate the gospel in practical ways. But as well as that, be praying and asking God for a vibrant, multicultural church here in the city that reflects the city that we live in, that might honour God and praise his name. Going to the nations is something that we can all do, whether we go or whether we stay, because we can do it in the very community that we live in. Let's make sure we've got a going spirit, whether it's walking out of here around the corner or jumping on a plane to the other side of the world. Let's stand together and we're going to pray as we close. (coughs) Father, we thank you for what Jeremiah wrote to the exiles there. Thank you for his encouragement to them to settle down and build homes and start families and be involved in the local community, praying for and seeking the prospering of the city. And Father, we pray that for our city too. We pray, Lord, that you would prosper Derby. We pray for businesses. We pray for the education system, the health system, for the police and government. Lord, we pray for the prospering and the blessing of our city. And all as well as that, we pray for reaching many nationalities within the city. We think of people from all these different places. Lord, thank you for sending them here. Thank you, Lord, that we have such a wonderful opportunity of uh, reaching so many people from different nations just on our doorstep. Lord, what a privilege you've given us. And so I pray for each of us this morning that you would give us a heart for other nations, a heart for people from other 
nationalities, people groups, different languages. I pray, Lord, you'd put it in us individually and as a church. Lord God, I pray you'd put something in our very DNA that would be wanting always to reach out to other communities, other people groups, touch other nations. Lord, that we might see your gospel go forth and we might see men and women from different tongues and tribes worshipping you. Father, we want to see it in this place, not just when we get to heaven, but here and now. So, Father, we thank you for every one of these people from these 51 different nations. Father, I pray we'd see them in the church. I pray, Lord God, that we would see people from many different people groups represented in what you're doing here in Jubilee. Father, please make us a multicultural church. Make us a vibrant, multi-ethnic community that loves you and seeks to serve you in this city and in the nations. Lord, we want to see you glorified in this city, so please do it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so before we close, I want to pray really quickly for any of you who feel stirred for uh, either of these things, really serving the city, getting involved in local communities, or reaching nations. So if that's you, let's just stand before God for a moment. Let's keep our eyes closed. There isn't time to bring you forward to the front. But if that was you, can you just put your hand up? And I'm going to pray for you really quickly that God would continue his work in your heart now. Father, I thank you for these ones who have responded to you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're saying, being be about being involved locally in serving the city, or Lord, having a heart for nations. I pray that you would deepen what you've started. Thank you for what you're doing in these lives. I pray, Lord God, for more. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would uh, seal anything that you've spoken this morning, and Lord, you would increase your hearts and compassion for both this city and the nations. For your glory we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.